Arden Young, nice to speak to you. How are you? Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's our pleasure. Um, maybe you could just let our listeners and viewers know a little bit about your background. Uh, what What is it you cover and, and what, what keeps you busy? Yeah, absolutely. So I my original work background comes from Hollywood. I, I grew up in the entertainment industry, acting in TV and film as a teen and young adult. And I left Hollywood to pursue journalism. I'm now... Um, I have just released an investigation on the adult entertainment industry. I'm using very general terms because I know we're on YouTube. Um, but Thank anyone you. who's Appreciate curious, it. of course, anyone who's curious can check out my Twitter account at Arden underscore young underscore. Um, yeah. So I, I've just released an undercover investigation into the adult entertainment industry it's a seven-part series. Um, we'll probably have some more stuff coming out soon just to continue the investigation into online sexual exploitation in general. Um, but yeah, my original work background, I was an actress in Hollywood and open to any questions um, you have or whatever you're curious about. Happy to talk more. Well, since you said, uh, so I mean, uh, I mean, I suppose the trope at this point when the when we talk about very young actors and actresses in Hollywood not making it, falling into you know drugs, crime, and worse, it's you know tragic. Uh, but you don't seem insane to me. So, <laughs> how, how did you how did you kind of survive those waters? Well, I left. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Uh. You know, I was one of the lucky ones. I I entered Hollywood when I was 12 years old. I began taking acting classes at that age. I began actually working on TV and, and film when I was 15 or 16. And I officially left Hollywood when I was like 21 or 22. So my stint in the industry wasn't all that long. It kind of feels like a long time sometimes, but it really wasn't. Um I had very good parents. My parents cared about me, did not force me to be in the industry. All the pressure that I received was from those around me and, and myself as well. Um, so first of all, I had I had good parents, which oh, many aren't fortunate enough to have. Um, and I... I did go through a lot of really tough things during my time in Hollywood, some very inappropriate situations that I witnessed and um, experienced. And then I went through a lot of personality changes uh, while I was there too. So the transition out of Hollywood uh, was very intense and I went through a lot of realizations and I still go through realizations where I think to myself, oh my gosh, I I just had like a weird flashback of something that happened. I never realized that was so inappropriate before or, or how weird that was or how wrong I was about that. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know what it was that made me not super messed up after coming out of Hollywood, but I definitely am a changed person. Um, and the Arden you see today is not the Arden you would have met during <laughs> her time in Hollywood. That's fascinating. So uh, was in terms, I mean, I, I'm very pleased to hear you, you know, praise your parents' influence on that. 
uh, for sure, that that definitely makes a huge difference in anyone anyone's life. Uh, no, no less than Hollywood, uh, I suppose. But is this a career path that you decided you wanted from a young age? Is this something that perhaps your your family pushed you towards? Yeah, so I had a cousin who was in modeling and she did some acting roles and I just thought it was so cool at a young age. Um, and it's something that I begged my parents to get me into. So finally, my mom said, okay, you can take acting classes. And from there, through the acting studios I was going to, they um, you know, had different like managers and agent connections that eventually led me to actually start pursuing work as an actor. Um, so really the pressure was from any, the people I had met getting into the industry and also just from myself, cause it's what I wanted. Um, and I think my motivations were questionable. I was a kid, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate enough that my family wasn't the source pressuring me. That's good news. So was there a, a particular incident or a moment where you decided, you know what, this this just isn't for me anymore? Because obviously this is something you wanted to do. You were doing it. You were committed. You'd had acting lessons. So I suppose two-part question. I mean, do you ever miss it? You know, the craft, the the experience, the expressing yourself as an actress. Uh, and two, what, what was it that, what was the revelation or the moment where you thought, you know what, this just isn't for me anymore? Yeah. So sometimes I do miss it. I miss the craft. I actually... Um, for a short time, I was offering private acting coaching to a couple of super nice young girls um, who come from a very traditional, you know, Christian family. Their parents don't want them taking like a Hollywood acting lesson. So I provided them and coached them through material that did not conflict with their personal values. Um, and I made sure that I created a healthy environment instead of like a crazy typical Hollywood environment in an acting class. Um, but sorry, the second question was the moment. Yeah. The moment that I realized that I wanted to leave. Um, it was a process. I think that maturing as a person and kind of becoming aware of all the issues in the world that were so much more important and so much larger than I would ever be. Mm. And um, wanting to be a part of that instead of focusing on um, propping myself up and, and being motivated by my own vanity, which is really what it was. I was motivated by my own vanity, um, coupled with the fact that due to I, I kind of had a developing moral compass in my, I would say, early 20s, very late teens and early 20s, that I started drawing the line in the sand with my uh, agents at the time saying, hey, I'm not open to this type of sexual content. I'm not open to sorcery, witchcraft, dark spiritual content. I don't want to get involved in those types of projects. Um, and I don't want to get involved in content where I have to say this, this, and this, or whatever. Um, there's certain boundaries and certain like words I'm just not comfortable saying. And from that point on, um, my agent dropped me. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that Harry Potter audition gone. 
Right? Just, no, like I didn't have a chance. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, just to pivot to your uh, investigative journalist uh, journalism uh, work, which is, is, I don't know what's more exciting to me, kind of Hollywood or that, two things that I kind of really, really like. Uh, and what, I mean, what made you think that the porn industry rather, or the adult entertainment industry was something worth investigating. What What's the angle here for you? Yeah, it was actually a New York Times article written in 2020. Um, it's titled The Children of P-Hub. You could fill in the blank. Um, and it detailed underage victims' struggles to get their abuse videos taken off of the platforms. And these platforms alongside the abusers who uploaded these videos are mutually monetarily benefiting off of that content. So um, the adult platform gets a cut as well as the person uploading the video. And so there is a slew of complaints um, of people reaching out over the course of sometimes years and the platform not um, taking these videos down. So the uh, P-Hub went through kind of a scandal where they were forced to change some things internally to try to prevent that from happening again in the future. However, there was a lot of talk about how these changes were actually surface level and there were still things like this happening behind the scenes that just weren't being talked about anymore because the news cycle had moved on type of thing. So it was... um, my goal to prove that this is still happening um and they're this company is knowingly profiting off of illegal videos and so that's what we did i mean that that's first of all that that's great work so i actually now you've referenced that article i do remember it but when it was published and I, i suppose that it was the category of that kind of you know on the website which would be considered like revenge uh you know often filmed by bitter x well f- filmed by people who are bitter x's and uploaded yes. and, and i mean that can be an i can't imagine of anything more distressing perhaps for a young girl knowing that that's there and there's all there's a huge amount of time to take to get it taken down i mean and, and did you am i right thinking that a lot of a number of these people were, were underage as well did you say yes a number of them were um i think the main girl they featured in the article was only 14 at the time that her video was recorded and um many of these videos are in kind of that revenge porn category um but a lot of these are kind of there's this developing term it's called sextortion where a young victim is contacted online by someone they don't know or someone they do know basically um coercing them to send a nude video or a sexual video and that first video or image is used to threaten them into sending more and more extreme content and those videos are are trafficked and um disseminated online for profit i mean i've heard i mean i think i've read stories about people either taking their own life or attempting to when this is this yes. has happened to them. I mean, what's the legality in the, in the States then? Because I don't know if you're aware, but we had a quite high-profile case in the UK not so long ago where some reality TV stars, I think he'd secretly film, filmed himself having intercourse with a, you know, consensual intercourse with a, right. a, a partner in his garden or yard, I think you'd say, mm-hmm. on kind of the security can. And once they mm-hmm. broke up, he actually uploaded that 
monitor yeah. and, and let people view it. And he actually served, he got prosecuted and served jail mm-hmm. time for that as well. I mean, is, is this similar laws in the, in the US that you're aware of? You know, the law hasn't really caught up to technology here in the US um, as f- there's a lot of gray areas and there's mm. a, a lot of new emerging ways that someone can be sexually exploited online. So for example, there with AI, there's um, in- in- increasing amount of, you know, someone is a public figure or even someone just has like social media and someone will, will capture the image of their face and superimpose it um, onto a pornographic image. And, and unfortunately, we're hearing more and more suicides among teens um, where that type of content is circulating at their school and it's being used to humiliate them and bully them. And, and this another young girl, I think just a few days ago, there was a, another report and she unfortunately took her own life because of that. So unfortunately, here in the U.S., there's so much gray area um, that the revenge porn stuff it really is rarely prosecuted that's really sad it's it's interesting i was having a discussion about this the other day with family in fact because i've got young teenage nieces and they're they're not as interested in alcohol at age 16 and 17 in the way that i was and my friends are it seems Mm -hmm. like there's a cultural shift we was kind of hypothesizing reasons for that and obviously the the health more health conscious more informed and smarter than i was essentially as well but also there's this aspect of having to contend with the possibility of making mistakes doing things that are embarrassing and having that captured in perpetuity on social media on on camera phones and, and, and things like that so it seems like do you think perhaps that plays an aspect into some of this as well I think so too. Yeah, I really do. Um, in this digital age, like anything anyone does could, it, it exists out there in the ether. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, even when I was growing up, like I, I kind of, you know, anything that you texted to anyone, my mom always told me like, it could be on the front page of the New York Times the next day. So always act like anything you're typing, like your grandma's going to see it the next day in the newspaper. So I had to be very hyper aware of that. So hopefully this generation is aware of the fact that anything that they do or record or say um, could be public or could be used against them in some way. But it is a really sad dynamic because it, it almost puts a sense of like paranoia on mm. this generation. Um, but yeah, like I would tell young people definitely don't be sending stuff you wouldn't want in public um, to to others. Like if you have a boyfriend, even if it's consensual, like it's better to just not. Yeah. Think, think of it as getting a tattoo perhaps. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, obviously you would have had to do a lot of research for this and it just so happens that I imagine this consisted of watching a lot of porn and I'm just wondering what that does to you, like mentally, what your experience, what kind of trends you're seeing and what your attitude, I mean, I mean, it might be just a good to get you, if you don't mind sharing this, what your attitude to porn was before this investigation and whether it's changed since this investigation. Yeah, that's a good question. So I really tried not to watch the adult content. I um I did have to go on the sites to check certain things um like if they took certain credit cards MasterCard Visa 
And I was also checking to see if they had like any sort of age verification block on the site. Um, and then I also looked at like trending categories as well. Um, but my going into this, I had always been uncomfortable with porn and I had never liked adult content and I, I never wanted any type of participation as a viewer in adult content, but I had always felt pressured to um, approve of it or enjoy it or acknowledge it as like a good, healthy, uh, liberating type of thing. Mm. Um, and maybe that comes from Hollywood, you know, anything goes, right? But I always felt that pressure um, to not be approved, you know what I mean? And, and just and just acknowledge the fact that some people need this content. This is healthy and some people are lonely and you can help you explore and find new things you like and all that kind of stuff. So my attitude going in was like, I personally didn't like adult content. And then coming out of it, my views against adult content is even stronger. Hearing all of these admissions come from the horse's mouth, from the people creating this adult content for the viewer. They do not have the viewer's best interests at heart. This, they're not trying to serve up a product that's healthy and, and celebrating sexualities. They are creating a product that they acknowledge is addictive, has unknown, unexplored health implications, um, it, they say it cannot be healthy. They don't know the implications of it. Um, and a lot of their attitude toward it is surprisingly negative, but they're still there shrugging their shoulders saying, well, it makes a lot of money. So, yeah, I think um, so. I suppose I mean, maybe I'm just getting older, but I suppose the the kind of third wave feminist movement would talk about you know, sex positivity, or they'd be the claim that you can only really be a true feminist if you're in favor of protecting sex workers, or often right. championing that as a kind of progressive career path for women. And uh, I, I'm I'm still like a left leaning liberal. I'm getting the impression you're perhaps a conservative Christian. I'm not sure, given given some of the the issues you had with perhaps like uh, mystical witchcraft and stuff like that in Hollywood. I might be wrong there. You can correct me on that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but I'm slowly coming more to the center on this issue. I've spoken to a lot of feminists now, old school feminists who are kind of pushing back and saying, you know, the adult entertainment industry, it's a huge mistake to push that for women. It's, you know, it's exploitative, yeah. it's wrapped up in abuse, uh, et cetera. And I'm just wondering where, where is that line in, in female empowerment between sort of saying, if you if that's what you want to do, go ahead, uh, versus kind of outright preventing them from doing so? Yeah, I, I'm of the thought that I don't think it's empowering to sell your body. Hmm. Um, it is an industry that caters to men and and fulfills a man's desires. And you're doing something that you would never even think of doing with that person unless they're paying you. I don't think that's empowering. Um, and so I don't think sex is work. I don't think work should be sex. And uh, that's my thought on it. Um, but that being said, I am not here to um, demonize 
consumers of pornography, I believe that the average consumer of pornography, if they're a legal adult, would have a huge problem if they knew that the the adult content that they were consuming involved, uh, you know, exploitation or child exploitation, if they knew that the person had not consented, I think most people would be horrified. Um, I really do think that the vast majority of consumers of adult content want the people that they're watching to both be consenting adults. Um, So I'm not here to tell people that they're a horrible person for watching pornography. I am here to say that the company that has a complete monopoly on North American adult content does not have their best interests at heart and monetizes knowingly profits off of abuse content and underage abuse content. So this is a huge problem that many people aren't aware of how deep ALO, which is the parent company of P-Hub, how deep all their tentacles go. They own hundreds of sites and they do everything from write, shoot, produce, advertise, distribute. Um, From beginning to end, they handle all things adult. That's a really good answer. And I suppose, I mean, I was I, just incidentally, I was interviewing an ex-adult film star a few months ago and they said when, and this is quite some time ago, I think this is the VHS era. Yeah. And they were telling me that, uh, you know, there was so much red tape and a million forms to sign in and there was so much, you know, so much regulation. And now with the internet, it's essentially the wild west where, you know, anything can be filmed and uploaded in moments. I mean, is, is that what is that one of the main problems here with it being chiefly internet based now? And, and what's the answer to this? Is it more regulation? Yeah, I mean, um, the technology is out there to prevent these abuse videos from being re-uploaded a bunch of times. It's called fingerprint technology. It's applied to copyrighted material. So if I was to go on YouTube and upload um, a clip of The Lion King, it would immediately be taken down. Like, they wouldn't be having that. And it's because it's fingerprinted. So the issues that these sur- these victims and survivors were having with getting their abuse content taken down was um, this company, P-Hub, has this technology internally for copyrighted materials, but they're not applying it for victims. Um, and where, where they were applying it for victims, it would take so much poking and prodding and and having lawyers get in contact and all that. So um, they're very, very slow to apply it to those who actually need um, this fingerprint technology. Uh, Me personally, as far as underage children viewing pornography, I don't believe it's too much to ask for these ID laws to be put in place. the adult industry likes to argue that it's a violation of everyone's First Amendment right, but they're the first to send me legal threats saying that I need to take down the videos that I recorded completely <laughs> legally of their employees. So they're trying to limit my free speech. Um, <laughs> so I really don't think their uh, concern is free speech here. That, that, I think that's another interesting point, which we might not have justice the time to do it justice, rather. But this idea, because these, like you mentioned, uh, the the website in question is hugely influential. It's got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. It's making a lot of money. It produces it, you know, it, it rakes it in for selling sex, essentially, which is the oldest oldest trick in the book, I suppose. But you're then 
going up against this on a corporate platform, YouTube a lot of the time, I imagine, you don't really stand a chance against a big corporate body like them if they say this is, you know, uh, defamation perhaps, or this is, mm-hmm. you know, wh- however they want to describe it. Are you going into this argument a little bit with a hand tied behind your back because they are so so influential and big? You know, um, I don't know. And maybe I'm just like stupid or crazy, but I decided to investigate this. And once I realized that my hypothesis was correct, once I had all these employees on tape, I felt like it was my moral duty to release it and not be a coward and hold back and, and get scared. Like, you know, it is possible in the future I will be legally pursued by one of the most powerful companies to ever exist. Um, However, it doesn't seem likely at this point that they are going to go through with actually suing us because it would open them up to discovery. Um, And I also don't think they want to create more attention on this than is already there because them pursuing us is almost like legitimizing everything we're saying. Have you had any sort of official response to them? Have they they responded in, a, in any official capacity? Apart yeah, from they have responded to some of our requests for comment um, with a lot of like really weird, like false accusations. Like they said that we illegally recorded their employees, um, which is not true because Canada has completely one party recording laws. Um, across the board so everything was done in a public place and and we have Canadian legal counsel you know making sure everything they do is legal so they're I feel like they're trying to like throw spaghetti at a wall essentially and seeing what sticks and just saying whatever they also said that we non-consensually recorded and uploaded videos of their employees which I think is so ironic that's rich that's very rich Yeah. yeah exactly oh and Stephen I also wanted to mention by the way, I love Harry Potter. I, it wasn't like <laughs> that wasn't the issue. I was being asked to do like literal demon conjuring like setups in in the scene and um, like just very witchy. Um, you know, she's a witch seductress kind of character, uh, okay. and that I wasn't okay with. Like, I love Harry Potter. If Harry Potter was being cast while I was like acting i totally would have loved to do that. I, I, I completely misinterpreted them comments because sometimes <laughs> i hear from very kind of very very conservative christians who are who are, will oppose kind of witchcraft and wizardry in their fiction on, i think on fantasy is very grounds. fun I, i'm actually watching harry potter right now um and i really like it excellent yeah you should come to the uk and check out the studios if you've never done that that's that's great fun <laughs> i would love to yeah i've done that once and i i'm I just put it out there. I'm not a massive Harry Potter fan, but I did mm-hmm. turn into like a seven-year-old kid. Totally. Hours, it's just so fun. It, like it, I love great. fantasy kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and J.K. Rowling's become somewhat of a hero anyway, just for a uh, staunch uh, advocacy of kind of women's rights on. on yeah. Uh, on I really platform. like what, what she's had to say. Yeah. Cool. Well, Arden, this is, this has flown by. I'm, I'm really grateful for the work you're doing okay. because I can't think of, anything a lot, lot more important than, important than kind of getting content removed down of illegal activity in, in, you know of a sexual nature especially including minors that's just a horrible dark corner of the world many of us don't necessarily have to think about but I'm, I'm very glad you are um is there anything else you'd like to point people towards before i let you get back to what's left of your day 
Yeah, absolutely. Just link up with us on Twitter, Arden underscore young underscore, and then you'll see the sound investigations page links in my bio. Um, some real quick, exciting news is that two of the subjects we recorded in the undercover videos have been subpoenaed, subpoenaed in a new child sex transportation case, if you get what nice. my meaning is, um, in a class action suit out of Alabama. So they will have to take the witness stand now. That's great. Really important work. Thank you very much for speaking to us. Despite the dark subject matter, I've I've really enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you so much, Stephen. Likewise. Take care. Bye. Bye.